Mike Watson. I'm Bree Watson. And Bree's going to get closer to the mic. Yes. All right. Welcome. Uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, Clint Murphy's here today. Uh, Nick, you met Clint at Ink Drinks, so yep. why don't you do an intro? <laughs> well, that, that's, that's a lot of the intro right there. Uh, Clint, I've seen a bunch of times at Ink Drinks, and I've decided like I never get enough time to talk to him there, so I'm going to have him on the podcast, and we can actually have a proper conversation. Thank so, you very much. Welcome to, the, welcome to the show, Clint. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, this is my first podcast. Yay! So awesome. I am, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Yay! I wish we had a first podcast like Bell. <laughs> I can find it. Editor, we can find a sound effect for this later. Yes. So, Clint, you're a writer. Yes. What kind of stuff do you write? Um, sci-fi. Oh, cool. Sci-fi. Because uh, um, that's a kind of a, a loaded question for myself. Because as a writer, people go, oh, so what do you write? What type yeah. of stuff do you do? Um, before... Um, I would say I would just write anything, like drama, comedy, anything just to get me noticed. But after, as we talked before, when I went to Austin, um, they kind of refine your focus to develop your brand. Like, yeah. figure, out, figure out your brand as who you are and what you write. So it's like, if you can't figure that out, then... You're no good to... Well, I'm... You're not no good. It's just like you're you, harder for people to figure out how you, they could work with you, maybe. And you're, it's hard to figure out yourself. Yeah. So when I when I sat in a, a seminar, one of the Q um, creating sessions, and the agents talked about what they like about writers, where they figure out their brand. It's like it hit me right there and then. Don't say, "Oh, I can do drama." Don't say, "I can do this." You're a sci-fi writer. That's what you are. That you like like to write. And one of my writing partners said, like, the drama comes in no matter what you write. Yeah. So just embrace it. So to that question, I am a sci-fi writer. Ah, oh, all Very right. Simple. Nice. Okay, I like that because I'm, the book I'm writing right now is super sci-fi. Well, it's set in space and stuff. And it's right. definitely sci-fi. Um, how did you figure that out about yourself? Were you just like, that's what you're drawn to when you're telling a story? Or is that what you like watching? That's what I like watching, but it's... So, take you way back. <laughs> um, in high school, I used to draw comics. Cool. So awesome. I, used to, I used to do create my own world. So that's where kind of that sci-fi world comes from. I used to... I love the Jim Lee era during Marvel Comics. Um, I love the X-Men. So I would tailor most of my stuff based off of that. And nice. I love that world. So I used to create my comic books in that world. And therefore, my writing would reflect that. So now, it's when I'm just building that world, I just fall back on that just to create what do I you want. F do you, does it feel like natural? Like you just want to go there automatically kind of yes. thing? Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Sometimes it's good and it's bad. Ah. <laughs> um, because I'm working on a story right now that it's the easiest way to do is throw in that sci-fi element and you're good yeah so now i challenge myself to make the story non-sci-fi mm. so this is going to be a pure dramatic so i'm doing the research it's basically about um veterans and ptsd oh okay so basically like now cool. Cool, <laughs> but i mean like yeah relevant yeah, yeah it's yeah. relevant <laughs> so it's like now um i've thrown that whole sci-fi element out and I'm just focusing on the core dramatic issue of the story that I'm trying to build. Yeah. So in terms now, I'm rewriting my outline to fit a dramatic narrative rather cool. than a sci-fi narrative. Because write what you know, and it's easy to just 
to hold on to that little crutch and yeah. like just write, write, write. And then, then you kind of realize after you take a hard look at yourself, yep. there's like no substance to what you're really doing because basically it's all sci-fi. You have a bit of a drama, but it's just radiated in sci-fi. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I try, this, this is myself trying to push myself to get to that next level. You really want to hone the, or extract the drama. Yeah, because it's like, for example, if I was in a meeting with an agent, it'd be like, okay, so what else do you got? Like, right. And then yeah. basically, you always, I'm, I'm afraid, like, they're going to say, like, so all you have is sci-fi content. So I'm just trying to build that repertoire, go back to what I was doing before, and then just write a pure drama story and just trying to test myself. Because I know I can do it. Yeah, it's you know you do sci-fi. You're like, check, got it, that's my brand. But yeah. what else can I also yeah. produce? That's cool. That's smart. That's good. Because yeah. the thing is, it's like what got me in, like, they always say for writers, it's like the one, your baby that you're working on is not going to get done. It's going to get you that job. Mm. So my best sci-fi will get me that job. And if it gets me in a dramatic role in or uh, job, then I have to step up to that plate to say that, okay, yeah, I can write that. I don't want to be that one guy. Oh, yeah, give it to Clinton. He's a sci-fi guy. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, no. I want to I wanna give, give back. Yeah, that's awesome. And as well, it's like if you're going to flex that drama muscle and stuff, when you yeah. do get back to writing your sci-fi, if you want to and stuff, you can give it that, exactly. that more dramatic kick as well. Because exactly. like you said, anything can be sci-fi. You just got to put space. Yeah. What you need is the, the human aspect of it. Right. And that sometimes I can admit for myself some of the stories that I have lack that. Yeah. And when, when I'm doing that second pass, okay, I got to punch up this relationship. Yeah. I got to punch up this motivation. So it's like, it's a matter of just taking that self-evaluation and being honest with yourself and just not going with what everyone's like, oh, great sci-fi right now. There's a lot more that you have to do to put into your work to actually be relevant and to get that job. So what's your like ideal writing gig? I used to say I would, I can go either for feature or TV, but right. I'm, I think I'm more focusing for TV because I just cool. write, I, all I write is original pilots. Cool. Um, I have yet, <laughs> I've yet to step into that world to write a spec. Right. Um, but I've heard so much from other people, um, from people in the industry and from people down here. Um, people down here said, "Oh, you have to have a strong spec. Mm -hmm. um, no one's going to talk to you if you have a spec." From the agents in the states and everybody else, we don't want specs. We want original work. Hmm. So like. That's what I'm hearing a lot more of also. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. and it's the, for the spec, it's like, we want to know if we can write in their voice. Yeah. And then, if you have the original work, it's like, okay, we just want to know if you can write. Yeah. So it's like, flip a coin, tell me what you want. Like, yeah. But, so, for me, I'm kind of running from that spec world, <laughs> but I know I'm going to have to face it soon enough. It's just a matter of finding a show yeah. that I want to write, because, honestly, I wanted to write. I had an idea for a spec show for Castle, but yeah. that was... When I figured it out, that was when Castle was going downhill with yeah. all the, the the cast controversy. So I'm like, oh. How many series are you? Uh, is Castle into right now? Well, it's done. It's done. It's, okay. done. it's done. So, and the one rule, if you're gonna write a spec, write it's something, write something relevant. So, yeah. And for comedy, it's like I met a professor um, at Ryerson, and he had he had talked about if you're gonna write a spec, um, three weeks to write Big Bang. Wow. Um, and six months to write Modern Family. Wow. 
because and I and I can see that because if you look at Big Bang, it's it's really simple. You just pick yeah. the nerdiest moment for Sheldon and all those other guys, and yeah. you write. Yeah, there's a but, strong formula to it. But Modern Family, it's there's so much weaving in and exactly. out. Exactly, yeah. and it's like when you look when you just like when you look at it as a fan, it's like oh my god, it's so, so funny. But mm-hmm. when you look at it as a writer. And you look at how everything just moves and intertwines. It's like you're just blown away. It's yeah. like, how can I write something like this? <laughs> That's funny. That was the that was when I took a like a screenwriting class at Humber. That was the like pilot we studied the Modern Family. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I even I even looked up their um the first um the first script for mm-hmm. that, and it's it's genius. Yeah. <laughs> it is genius. Uh, I'm the opposite. I'm working on. It's been taking me forever to work on my original. Uh, pilot or my yeah my original pilot but I've written I've already written I tackled the spec already so okay like, fine I can do it <laughs> I did an episode of the Mindy Project oh nice but it's taking me forever to write my original I think it's because yeah I think I'm being too precious with it that's yeah like, that's the thing and yeah. it's like the world's your oyster kind of thing you can write about anything yeah. you just gotta zoom in I think the thing that you sent me a proposal or it was just the outline yeah yeah that felt like closer to the world a world that you would understand and could uh play could, in yeah exactly yeah. so i'm getting there one step at a time <laughs> it'll take <laughs> me go. probably the six months that it took. <laughs> oh man uh but that's so cool so you want to write for television and okay so you keep talking about how you met a bunch of people in the states what yeah. what was that what what did you did you go down there for a course or no well <clears throat> It was finally one of my original um, stories. I entered the HBO uh, one-hour pilot oh, for cool. Austin, yeah. and I made the second rounder. Oh, sweet! That so, is seriously impressive, dude. Yeah. So it was one of those things in my life where <clears throat> I had written the first horror, mm-hmm. and it got in the preliminary first round for a contest. Oh, cool. So in my mind, what I was seeing as I was starting to write, it's like everyone was talking about. People, writers were getting noticed for being a quarter finalist. Oh. If you're a quarter finalist, you get noticed. If you're, if you're a quarter finalist, you get you you pretty much get called to the dance. Like you you get noticed. You get those those interviews with those agents. Yeah. So that my motivation was like, you know what? All I want to do is just get to a quarter final. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get to a quarter final. Yeah. And so I got to the preliminary in 2011. There was a lot of hit and misses. So by 2016, things were moving up. And then I said, okay, you know what? I'm just the the script, the sci-fi script that I wrote. I felt strong enough to put in a contest, so I put in a number of contests. Cool. So it got quarterfinal at Creative World, um, this contest in LA, okay. and it hit um, Austin. So their version of second round quarterfinal. So I was, I'm like, okay, I made it. Yeah. So when I went down there, I'm meeting all these writers from all over the country, Canada, U.S., everybody, some people from Australia, cool. and it was motivating and surreal. And then when I got there, it's like there's another level yeah. that I want to get to. It's that semifinal. Uh, uh-huh. okay. Semifinal and final. It's like it never stopped because basically you know you knew what it took you to get there. Yeah. I think I can push myself to get there again. Nice. Cool. So it's like it's it's a constant like because I know like when I looked at your guys' um, page, it's like that constant struggle. Yeah. And basically right now it's now that constant struggle because – as a second rounder, you're that twenty percent. Semi-finalist, you're that ten yeah. percent. That finalist, you're that one percent. Yeah. And what, 
what what does it take to get your writing to yeah. that level? And it's a matter of just honing in, just and that cliche that you said, write better. Like, <laughs> yeah. it that's what that that's the whole sentiment that there was during the conference. And I was saying, write better, write better. And how do you write better? And mm. then basically, you, I kind of fell into that that mode because when I was rewriting my rewrite <laughs> for the Atlanta festival, yeah, it's knowing what you have to fix. So mm. basically, it's rather than writing your whole script over again, yeah. I had to rewrite just that one part in my second act to validate my third and fourth act. Right. Nice. So it's, and when people say do a full rewrite, I used to do, I used to like start from scratch. No, Ooh. it's like, I realize my first act is solid. Yeah. Second act is okay. Coming to my midpoint, it's falling apart. Yeah. Mm. So then you, again, it's taking notice of yourself and being honest and like, okay, I can. I have to fix this to get it to that next level, and you, it's just being honest with yourself. Yeah. At that point. And do you have like a, a team of like people that that are helping you like go over your writing and stuff? Do you like yeah, share with um, your buddies or your? I have a trusted circle. Right? <laughs> I have um, a couple of writers that I can go to. Like you know what, read my stuff and I read their stuff. Cool. But I have one friend who's not a writer, and uh-huh. he's the most analytical per- he criticizes a lot oh, so good. yeah so if i can give him my stuff and he gives me some bare bones notes then i'm good then i can take that because it's always good to have someone who's not a writer who's mm-hmm. not in the industry and just really loves watching tv and loves tv and loves just that world yeah so it's like he's like that person so he's a big sci-fi fan sci-fi like into everything yeah. so it's like he's like one of, one of my good friends we know i've known him for like over 20 years Amazing. so i can like just here this is what I'm working on. If I hit it, great. If I miss the mark, let me know. Yeah. So, and I'm a and I'm a I'm a big person that would like accept feedback, although it is stinging. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that that helps you in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of nervous about it. I just asked for feedback for the first time on my project here that I and to Nick. Yo, know, that was nervous, nerve wracking for me too, because it's like I don't know what's good. <laughs> but <laughs> so all I the just, feedback I got back was so helpful that I was just like, oh yeah. Condo Corp. Or yeah, something like that. it would completely give away the. Anyway, I was like, I didn't even think about it because it was a place hate a place name, and then I was like, why don't I just use that? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. all the stuff that you kind of don't see when you're like in it. Exactly. Yeah. So it, I imagine it. Yeah, it's great help to have somebody who's on the outside, just like, no, 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 this this needs help. This needs work. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you um, do you have an agent here in Toronto? No, no I don't. Okay. Um, and are you looking for one, or is it the kind of thing that you want to avoid? Um, or? I'm looking. I'm actually looking for one. Yeah. Um, I feel like again, for me, and I, everyone's gonna already be sick. But every time I mention it, but like Austin was the wake up time for that, oh, that wake up for me. It's like after all those years of just toiling away, I actually know that I can do this now. Cool. So basically, this is like there's a validation at the end of the at the end of the tunnel that you know what I can do it. So now let me put myself out there a yeah. little bit more nice so right now i did the rewrite for what got me into austin cool. i i because i think my my goal is to to make it to the semis for austin yeah. yeah so now it's to put my script again through the through the gauntlet so i'm going through to atlanta uh, i'm going to submit it to tracking but i'm just going to do it a whole bunch and then once i've gotten like legitimate 
hits, then I'm like, I can send it off. Like, there's a, I send it off, like the original one I sent off to a couple of agents, but I do have one agent that uh, I made friends with in Austin. Cool. And then basically they sent me a release and it goes, if there's anything that you want us to consider, huh. send it over. Send we'll it over. Look. So, Good contact, yeah. yeah. So right now I'm waiting to see how I do in Atlanta because I'm going to get my results back by the end of this month, early February. So if it, it if it does good, like if it's like quarterfinals or like anything like that, then I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna send it off. Cool. So that way it again, that validation, like, you know what? Okay, here we go. Let's uh let's run the gauntlet again. Yeah. That sounds cool. It sounds like you do a lot of traveling down for these contests as well. No, this no. like <laughs> like this was the first time I traveled oh, to cool. to Austin for a contest. So when you're saying you're sending it down the Atlanta, you're, you're like emailing it. Or yeah, yeah, I'm okay. doing a contest. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. You're driving no. down to Atlanta, <laughs> no, no. figuring out the traffic. <laughs> uh, they had some trouble with their ring roads or something like that. Um, like at, at the end of the day, would you rather take your stuff down to the states, probably, right? Or is it just wherever you can get it made? Basically, um, in a perfect world, I would love to create my content for Canada. Yeah. Right. I would love, I would love for it to be down here. The stuff that I'm working on now, I would love to like approach Bella, pitch it, and have it on Crave as original content. Yeah. But from what people have looked at my stuff, it's it's too expensive. Yeah. Um. Even the, even the contest, the notes that I got back from Austin, like it's gonna be damn expensive, but <laughs> it'll be fun to see. Oh. Yeah. So it's like, I think that's more a bittersweet I'm, note, actually. Yeah, yeah I know. Like <laughs> but I think my my goal is to to work in the states. So it's it's that, I think that that's my end game. It's like, again, perfect world. I would love to to work here. My family's here. I, I wouldn't like to want to uproot them, but I would love to do something here. I know because of the great stuff that's happening with sci-fi here, with um, Killjoys and all the other stuff that they're Star doing. Trek. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trek, yeah. yeah. So it's like I would love to do it, but it's it's just hard to break through. And if I yeah. can break through in another way, it's yeah. I'm happy to do so. So you're talking about your family. Yes. Uh, do you have, do you have like, kids uh, and stuff? Yes, I do have a, a family, a beautiful wife, Aww. and two beautiful girls. Aww. I am, it, with that, I'm, it just, it's just a surreal moment. It's like, I look at them, and I'm like, jeez, you, <laughs> you are my, yeah. you are, like, it's like, when the little one, like, when my oldest one, uh, when she asked me about my stories, because she has, like, her crazy imagination, too, it's like, I can't really tell her, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a, like I can't really go into detail, but yeah, I'm writing up stories. And she goes, "Did you get it? Did did, did you get the hero to do what he needs to do, Dada?" I'm like, <laughs> yeah. she's like story structure. Yeah, <laughs> like I wanna, I I, I wanna like. How's like, the Dark Knight of the Soul going, Daddy? <laughs> yeah, I wanna like, but the thing is, she when she's playing with her, she's doing in that imaginary world. It's like she has a little narrative of her own. Nice. It's like she had like she has like these strawberry shortcake toys. Yep. And they have their moments where it's like it's a whole world. And like they have this, they have the houses and everything, and they're just like they're doing, they're doing their thing. And so she made up this one character called Strawberry Trump. <laughs> oh, it's okay. the opposite. She's going political. Yeah, but the thing, <laughs> but the thing is, it's opposite of what. Like this is like the nice version <laughs> of, the, of the Strawberry Aww. Shortcake World. So it, it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. And then my little She's one. Super welcoming to all <laughs> strawberry people. Yeah. <laughs> and my little one, she does the same thing. It's like they. They have that world. Like I know when I was a kid, it's like when I had that imaginary world, I would talk to myself and stuff. And I'm just hearing them, and they're just playing, and it's just it's just awesome. 
there's so much creativity in playing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's, it's, the sad part is when that stuff stops when you grow up, right? That's why it's it's uh, important to keep. Yeah, it does, tied. and then it just rears its head in another way. The yeah. creativity, so. Anxiety and depression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it must be refreshing to see your kids do it, right? Because then you can sort of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the freedom of, of that play. I'm sorry, I'm an improviser, so I'm just Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's fun watching them. It's fun watching yeah. them do their, do their thing and create their world. It's really incredible. You getting notes from them? <laughs> um, I just admire them. Yeah. I just, like, not notes, but I just admire how they, how they just, like, on a drop of the dime, they get their stuff and they're just, they're gone. They're off to the races. I can't get my kids to do that. <laughs> so you had a family. Yeah. Are you a full-time writer? Full-time writer, but I'm also looking for a full-time job as well. Okay. So what I used to do when my first one was born, it's like after she would, we put her to bed, like I would write all hours of the night. So yeah. I, I, the, the, my, my, my writing time would be like anywhere from 10 to 12, and I'll sometimes push it to 1 or 3. Yeah, if you're on a good roll. Or you on a good roll. Or, a scene or and... Something. and that is not the best way to do things <laughs> no. because the next day I am, I'm out of it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not useful to them at all. And then so, when you come to writing that night, you're freaking drained. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've started like going to bed early, and then normally I, I start getting up at five or six. I get up, and I do a couple of pages, ah, ooh, and then that right. way I'm kind of refreshed for the family. And then when they're off to school and I'm home, because I, I don't go to work until five thirty. Okay. So I would I would write some stuff. I I open up my uh, the script uh, and I just start writing and just pound out some pages. But the problem is, again, coming back from Austin, I hit you, the hangover hit. Mm. It's basically it's like in that world where you're you're so inspired and you you meet all these people and like oh I'm gonna get I'm gonna yeah. get to writing I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna refine my story. You come back and it's basically it's like you have all the you have all that energy and it's just like. How do I start it? Mm. How do I start, like, to really hammer down and fix the and fix my stories? And then you kind of have to force yourself <laughs> to, to to do what you need you to just do. Sit and there I'm, and start, and then just, it's like a trickle happens. Exactly, and you, just gotta it's like go you write one there, line, right? and then basically it's you know what, and then just back to the family. And then when you're back to the family, it's like okay, once everything is calm down then you try to write again yeah. if not then you go back it's like it's trying to find that balance yeah so that 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 for me i'm still trying to trying to yeah. get that that balance going and how do you handle things like the distractions of like the internet and social media and that kind of stuff does that enter in or are you are you uh, good at <laughs> switching good at, off yeah turning it off That's um, so quiet well I, before you answer that i, I um I just want to take a couple seconds to thank the Social Capital Theater for housing us yes. today. Uh, I did mention I would plug them a whole bunch in our so. so. Uh, I think we've mentioned this place before as well. Yes, we sure have. It's and a uh, fun place to go for comedy. That's right. And drinking. Perfect. <laughs> and their chairs are incredibly comfortable. They are pretty super comfy, actually. Yeah. Great. Now back to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um. Okay, so distractions from social media. <laughs> but I was asking you about distractions. Yeah. I just got totally distracted. Back on meta. <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, it's 
yeah Facebook is a big distraction sometimes mm-hmm. you get caught up and then I find myself turning it off completely mm. yeah but the problem is with my computer is like whatever somebody notifies me on Facebook yeah. it just pops up I'm like no no <laughs> <laughs> but I think to keep myself motivated um, I would watch like some videos like on YouTube like just to get myself in that headspace yeah um, there's one video that I watch it's from Blizzard um, it's I don't know if I can mention it um, it's this short brief animation called um, Hero Storm okay I, like it's like a mecha version but it's like it's it has the, the 90s guitar and everything it has like and it's 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 really cool animation and then once you get in that headspace I'm like okay I'm good to go oh cool alright so and and sometimes I would listen to jazz sometimes yeah. I would listen to music and like like pump up music almost. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> then after a while once the music like when I when I need to concentrate turn it off and I just I just start writing that's cool because it'll get you in kind of a ritual too right yeah mm-hmm. so it, it takes all all that other distraction and once you get into that ritual it's like now it's time exactly oh, yeah. it feels like anything that can help you just sit there and start putting words to pages is good like if whatever works for you go for it yeah mm-hmm. it does what I used to do when I was had writer's block um, I always talked about when my final draft came up I had about like five or six scripts that I'm working on uh-huh. and whatever I was blocked on I just move it and I just work on that and it's like now it's it works and it doesn't work yeah. and, I can, and I can I can honestly say that um, you kind of get mud- you kind of like you're still you bury yourself deep in the forest by doing that and now it's like if I have a if I have a problem with this with, with something that I wrote I power through it and mm. I get yeah. up and I walk away yeah and then hang out with the kids hang out with the family and then come back when when I when I have that that thought straight in my mind and then I just start back writing again. I think they used to say uh, I think it was Bob Dylan if he couldn't figure out like the lyrics to a song he would just like add like anything in the meantime as a placeholder oh, like place, yeah. yeah and then come back to it. Yeah. yeah. Um how old are your kids? Uh Madison is 7, she's going to be 8 uh next month. Aww. And Morgan is 4. Oh, those are two great names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so they're young. Yes. And there is so seven year in school. Four are you in school yet? You're yeah, three, she's yeah. in junior kindergarten. Nice. Oh, cool. Okay. So, so good. You said you you used to go to work at five thirty. What kind of like did you have like an, an evening? Yeah, I have an evening job right okay, now. Okay, cool. So. Um, yeah, because that's one of the things where like we talk about, especially here in Canada, it's hard to be a full time artist without having that day job or in your case, and being able to eat job. and live somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And feed your children also. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> These are it's, all good things. Yeah. But so yeah, that's that's the struggle. Like right now, my focus, and when I talk to my mom, it's like when I mention my writing, she goes, "You know, you have to find a job." I go, "Yes, I know." <laughs> <laughs> I go that my 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 ultimate focus is to find a job, a nine to five. Yeah. Uh, but I still have. I'm still also kind of nurturing my writing as well. Yeah. Because if 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 luck has it and something hits, then then that becomes your then that, yeah. yeah exactly so but but being very pragmatic and very realistic it's like I need to find a, a nine to five job mm-hmm. just to like support the family pay the rent get the food in the house so yeah so yeah so I kind of from I, I I teeter I bounce between writing and customer service so. Ah, right yeah so that's what I have to do yeah that's true that's what we have to like Nick's got his job at the bank that drives you angry uh, you know what <laughs> does but like for all my 
whinging about it and stuff. It gives my day structure. I have to be at work for these nine hours a day or whatever with lunch. But I've got it set up so I start work at 6.30. When I'm done work, I'm able to pick the kids off the bus, help them with homework, make them dinner, they go to sleep. And then I have like my little, I've got about two hours of writing to do there. So there's that, you know, like it it affords me a place to live. I mean, Catherine... Catherine's job is way better than mine, and she makes more money, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but, like, I, I shouldn't complain about it. It's helpful, yeah. and it, it's, it's something I should be grateful for. And the other thing is, I've been doing my job so long that I could do a lot of it on cruise control. It's a lot of uh, working with spreadsheets. Right. So I listen to podcasts about writing and creatives all day. So it, it's almost like I'm getting bonus exercise yeah. writing-wise. Right. And uh, I found a New York Times. No, that's not right. New York, the New Yorker magazine. Mm-hmm. They have a podcast now where somebody reads a short story for half half the show, and then they dissect it afterwards. I'm like, this is like homework I could be doing oh. for my short story writing. Right. Oh, and right. it's like it's entertaining. You're learning from it at the same time, and not going super bored <laughs> at work at this. That is helpful. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that. I thought about like audiobooks. The friend oh, sent, sent they me. They would be perfect. Like, because yeah. I know from my, from me in this world, I, I can pitch, but I can't pitch properly. Because mm. I, I've pitched to studios before, and the problem is, when I get, when I want to get to the meat of the pitch, I run out of time. Oh. So, so what I, what a friend has sent me is the, um, the art of the pitch, mm. like oh, that, cool. that pitch book. So it's like I. I have it. I have it there, and it's like one of those things where I need to stop procrastinating and just, just take listen it to in, it. take it in. Have that audio book in, in while I'm doing stuff because, yeah. like you said, it's like it, it's learning while you're on the go. Yeah. So and I, and I should take advantage of that, but I just I just procrastinate and I just like I just watch YouTube videos and get, <laughs> get advice on how people pitch and all like. Oh yeah, no, that's that's not a waste of time. That's equally good. I know, but I like. That osmosis. If I was like listening um, to it, listening to it, listening to it, then I can understand and just like you know help me out. So yeah, it's also how you learn as well. Like maybe sometimes, like if you could see people pitching, you could yeah. see their behavior. That's something that you can't sort of see when you're like listening to somebody. Exactly. Books. Yeah, because I think yeah, that that must be huge. Like you could just like how people pitch, right? Because I imagine there's like a, there's a confidence to it, right? There is. Because yeah. I, I pitched in Austin and I was like just. <laughs> handshaking and everything yeah. but like yeah I and when I when you watch someone and I there was like when I was down there it's like the people that have their pitches refined yeah. especially the comedic uh, scripts and the comedic shows that they're pitching these people are just awesome That's it's awesome. just amazing cool. when you see like a perfect pitch and you know it's perfect it's amazing to watch nice and it's like it's, they just they just rhyme it off so beautifully yeah, they probably like rehearsed it a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's almost, it's a performance on its own. Exactly. Yeah. It is. And if you're mostly used to writing and stuff, then yeah, I imagine it's not the kind of thing that's going to come supernatural because you're like, no, I'm in this world. I'm not into like, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Well, from going to Ink Drinks, I've learned uh, that my pitches are horrible because I, people have asked me what I'm writing about and I describe it and I get bored halfway through talking to them. It's like, this isn't great. I have to do this better. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I found myself like, as, as much as I've been writing, like when people ask, so what are you writing? And I tell, my, I tell about my story, I'm like, I sound like 
I'm so green. Like, <laughs> I, sound, I, sound like a, I sound like a first year writer. It's like, and then there's the character that does this, and, and then that, and then, like, and then there's the power, and then they gotta go do this quest. I'm like, like, no, it's like. Sounds like you're writing a video game, which I, sounds pretty cool too. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like, like in this, in, as a writer, and you know, it's like we're just constantly, we have to refine ourselves. Like, yeah, we just can't be, we just can't settle for, yeah, we know this. Like the next year, there's something else that we have to learn mm -hmm. to add to our repertoire. So it's, it's a constant struggle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but that's true. That means you're you're still interested in improving. You know, yeah. like yeah. anybody who thinks like, well, I know it all. You know, yeah. Well, that, that's a phase to get through that I've oh, learned yeah. in writing. <laughs> like, writing your your first couple of things, you're like, there it is, I'm done, I've written, guys, look at me. Like, I'm a writer now. And you read it, it's like, oh, shit, this is garbage. Right. It's like, that's step one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to humble yourself. Yeah, it's like, you gotta on, realize Bomb it on the page, get it all out, and then basically when you go, it just, like, sift, oh, my God. But, God, that first feeling of, like, once you've written is ecstatic and great, but... The converse is like when you realize that that thing is horrible. Yeah, that is so crushing. Like, it's like I'm never gonna be able to do this. This is so such a broken piece of garbage that I'm not gonna be able it's, to fix it. It's crushing, and then and then something clicks. It's like it's crushing, and then when you look at it, uh -huh. then you start that. Then that's when the writing begins. But yeah. Then you start sifting through. I'm like, okay, I don't like how you said that. I don't like where she's going. You know what? I'm gonna switch it here. She's gonna go here, and then. You kind of start refining your your beats. Well, for me, what helped me through that second bit is learning that this thing called structure exists, <laughs> and I could apply that, and that would help my story. So it's like, all right, cool. So step two, apply that. Yeah. Oh, I wrote a good story. This is great. Sat on it for a little bit, read it later. It's like, oh crap, it's horrible because of this. This. <laughs> yeah. Clint, did you take like a writing program like in school? Yes. Okay. So that would. That's help. probably helpful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the funny thing is, um, I went to George Brown. Okay. And I took the, um, I took the, the film studies program. And for me, when I started writing, I would write story format. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't write um, interior. This it was just basically one big block. Right. Um, so you had your action and you had the dialogue. No, no change of scene or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I wrote many of that. And then I decided, you know what? I went to the film studies program. I went to the beginners uh, screenwriters program. Um, and I went into it that's when I learned the proper structure mm. um, and then after that I got the, the advanced course so it okay. just kind of kind of helped me uh, refine that and then when it came to writing my first horror I studied Sid Field's um, the three-act structure and oh, then yeah, you I talked to me about that book actually I remember yeah and then I and I went further and I studied the Shawshank Redemption paradigm Oh, okay. So yeah, so on, on online, there is, Shawshank was like a good film, and yeah. it's like they broke it down in the three acts yeah. with um, an animated paradigm. Huh. So with your point of point of attack, your mid-turn, everything. So I based that, that teaching mm -hmm. into my, um, <coughs> into the, my first horror, and it was great, and then somebody, and then when the contest says, the feedback says, well, they should be in this location on this page. And I'm like, All right. really? So then I realized, and then another friend that I had met said that this whole industry now is going through the Blake Snyder yeah. Uh, yeah. format yeah, yeah, yeah. Save the Cat, where basically, and then I the rewrite, uh, I worked with my writing partner, we did the Save the Cat format. Yeah. 
Um, and it worked. Mm. But what I found is it was a paint by numbers. Yeah. And when I had my, um, when we had like a screenwriter's corner group, we spent like six months talking about structure. Um, and basically, and I kept on people, like a lot of writers like, oh no, your, your structure has to be this, your structure has to be that. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, this is like, at, at, at one point in my career, I was really, really arrogant. Like, <laughs> so I was like, people were telling me like, no, like I said, no, I don't have to write like that. Right. So it's like, because I kind of felt that by painting by numbers, you kind of lose the spontaneity in what you're writing. And then when I went to another conference, um, they said your 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 catalyst for your story had to happen at page fifteen or page twelve. Yeah. Then this book that I read, your catalyst can happen on page twenty. <laughs> so it's like which is it? Yeah. Exactly. So you know what? It's like basically at some point you just have to know your story, mm. and that's that's the, the rule of thumb that I take now. Know your story. Know where all the beats go because at some point you're gonna get get that mold where when you're writing and everything's just going to come automatic you're going to know where that story turn is going to be yeah and especially for a short uh for a novel it's like when you're writing that you're, you're in that headspace you know your character is going to take that turn because you know what you <coughs> built up your characters that moment that momentum yeah for them to make that shift it's funny how it works out as well yeah like, uh, it's, it's great that you mentioned the blake slider that's the thing that gave me my my concept of structure for writing okay so that, that really I agree with you. It, when you're first doing it, it feels like this is garbage. This is paint by numbers. This is not creative or, or anything like that. But it's just such a good. Uh, it's like an, like just something artificial yeah. construct, construct to force your story idea, and it really refines what you want to get to. Exactly. But it's it's just like one method. You still have to have strong three acts in yes. place as well. Yeah. I feel like uh, you need good dynamics. You can't just have hit these beats and stuff, because I think that's where I struggled initially with my structures. Was like I was just focused on getting the beats correct. Yeah, uh, garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I've recently read Stephen King's book on writing, uh, and then Inkblots. I can't remember the name of the the writer for that one, but it's just like that one. It gets to the distillation, like what is your story really about? Right. And then if you can figure that out. Uh, then you write like a far stronger story which is interesting for me because when I would go through my stuff it's like what am I writing about I've just written 120 pages exactly it's, it's a sprawling story all this happens but what am I actually trying to say in one sentence what do you mean by that like what this is about family oh I you know exactly. what I mean yeah. okay if you're like, oh, this is about like a bunch of guys who have to, you know, if you keep like rambling and rambling, it's like you haven't written a right. tight enough story. Exactly, oh and that's and, that, and that's how I felt. Is like that, that's when you have to like, and that's and that's where the the cliche is write better. Right. Yeah. Is to figure out what story you're telling and how fast and economical are you going to tell that story to make it impactful enough to that reader. Yeah. And to get you that next level. So the trick is doing that, but doing your special magic that you have as a human artist and like the, the stuff that you want to tell, but fit them both together. Exactly. And that's when you're dealing with awesome storytelling. Yeah. Which uh, I'm trying to get to. <laughs> I guess it would be, it's cool too, like um, with sitcom writing, or not sitcom writing, with uh, TV writing. Yeah. That eventually, like, let, let's say you get, you know, something picked up, uh, your pilot 
eventually they'll toss you in a room with like a whole bunch of other people to help you write the story and it'll be yeah. able to go a bit more quickly. So it's almost like this process, it was such a process of like training so much to do so well on your own and then eventually it's like, yeah, but then eventually they'll throw you in a room with 12 other people to try And then, yeah, and yeah. then basically it's, you're going to get a whole bunch of ideas and then from there, depending on like, if I'm part of that and it's not my show, it's somebody else's show, it's right. basically what the showrunner wants. Right. And then basically we just help that vision along. Is that something you'd be interested in doing too? Like, yeah, I, yeah. Would, I would definitely, definitely love that. Cool. Cool. Yeah, well, my understanding of the of how rooms work is everyone pitches the ideas initially. You get, you break down the board of your arc of your series and yeah. stuff, and then they dish out episodes. Or you know, like you have, so Bree, you have to write episode two where right. this happens and stuff. And that's where you're going to have to apply all your knowledge of structure using somebody else's ideas. Right cram it into your idea of how a story should work and then punt out something that's professional. <laughs> right. I think it's, uh, Super easy, guys. <laughs> I think what I'm, yeah, I don't know what the point I'm making is. The point is, like, you spend so much time as a writer developing yourself, like, as an individual, and then eventually you've got to go and, and collaborate. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, you have to go and... See, the thing about that is you have to, like you said, you, you've done so much. Now yeah. you're on another level where you have to collaborate with so many people, and then basically it's pretty much leave your ego at the door because yeah. you're all in this ship together yeah. and you're all working for that one goal and you're yeah. all like a crack team of professional writers well we hope yeah because <laughs> yeah. you've seen some, room, yeah. you see yeah. some of the shows out there. Get out there yeah. i'm assuming a good show <laughs> yeah uh and uh, d- uh your wife how does she feel about your writing is she a big fan she's very supportive that's good um <laughs> i because we talked about when I mentioned that where I was doing the podcast, and I, we talked, and we talked a little bit more about everything that we that we were going through. It's like she is very supportive, and it's like she she puts up with a lot. Like when <laughs> she, when, when I have those moments when I'm doing that overnight writing, mm-hmm. like I've written there was one time when I wrote till five o'clock in the morning. Sounds like university. Yeah, and it was like, and and no word of a lie, Nick. It was four pages oh, oh. so it, it you you had you probably had those moments where basically you you you're writing something and it's just not working mm-hmm. and you're just and you toiling away at these like three to five pages yeah just to make it right yeah. and that's what i did and i was dead to the world but she was she was supportive she she got the kids breakfast yeah got them to school I was still sleeping, <laughs> and then it's like you know what? I got I, I have to be a little bit be a bit more mindful <coughs> to, to be to share that responsibility with the family. But yeah. she is completely supportive, oh, okay. and, and it's it's great to have someone like that behind you because then it, it it's worth it in the end. And I know I can just like take a break, but we can we can have our we can have our moment together. Mm-hmm. But again, it's I'm grateful. Like when I look back. At what I had before and what I have now, I'm happy that she's in my life. Nice. Yeah, it's like it's 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 always good to have a good support structure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Other, yeah. Otherwise, it, it can fall apart, right? Like yeah, because uh, you have that me against the world mentality. Yeah, so. and it's it's hard enough convincing. I don't know about you guys. I'm gonna speak for me. It's hard enough convincing myself that I'm a writer, just <laughs> <laughs> like anyone else. So if you have someone who isn't supportive in your life, that must just feel like. Yeah. 
is your wife uh, like pretty creative also? Or? She's creative in another aspect because she makes her own journals. Oh, cool. So she's doing more of like the arts and crafts. Oh, stuff. that's awesome. Yeah. Yes. That's so fun, especially if you got like kids and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be yeah. amazing to look back on. Good memories and that. Yeah. Like, yeah, so like right now, now, right now we're, she's assigning on, because um, our daughter's birthday is coming up, so there's going to be like an arts and crafts at the party. So she spends a lot of time at Michael's. Yes. <laughs> yes. I understand. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so cool. I feel like I had some follow-up thoughts. Now I'm stuck on what I would buy at Michael's if I went <laughs> next. <laughs> you done any comedy stuff? Yes, actually. My first... So, there's a couple of firsts in my life. First horror. And when I first... Um, started writing like seriously like I want to film something I wrote uh, office comedy oh, cool. so it was based off of um, my time at Royal Bank oh, so right. Royal Bank and um, and Rogers Ooh. so what it, what, what it was called it was called 430 yeah and that was the time where basically we worked from 8, eight to 430 yeah. yeah so it was about um, an office ride mooch so he wouldn't talk to anybody during the day, but once 4.30 hit, he would try to mooch um, a ride off of people. Oh, and basically, man. he was a very eccentric uh, person who liked air guitar and liked to play <laughs> air guitar. So in the story, it was basically writing everyone dodging him. Yep. And then basically, the one person that he that got to, to give him that ride, he just like performed an air guitar. Oh. And then basically he considered himself a real artist, like (laughs) Hannah Montana and stuff like that. It was, I was, and that was for me, when I wrote that, that was like lightning in a bottle. Because that's when, and ask me to write comedy again, (laughs) I would have a hard time. Yeah. Um, But yeah, for me writing that script, because it was two-parter, it was lightning in a bottle, no, sorry, it was 4.30 and then 4.45. (laughs) And the inspiration that got me through that was um, a comedy show um, called Better Off Ted. Okay, I remember hearing about that one. Yeah, that was... um, So how ABC did it, it was it was like a winter show placed in, like, so it had like about I think five or six episodes and when there was a winter hiatus that show was placed. And it was the sarcasm (laughs) and breaking the fourth wall was amazing and um fun note originally i wrote it for a male but then when we were doing um the auditions the the male the male auditions were like so then basically i looked at the team i'm like okay um what if we switch it to a woman yeah Uh and then basically every that light bulb was like you know Uh what let's do it and then oddly enough every female that came to audition was spot on it was Uh awesome so Basically, I decided I made that choice to like you know what we're gonna have it a female and we just it was a female lead throughout the whole the whole short. So the 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 woman was the crazy person or the like the level headed. The level headed one. Okay. The, le- the level headed one. I we already we already had the guy who was gonna play the, the air, air guitar. guitar. But <laughs> we had we had we had like if you you remember that show Better Off Ted? Have you ever I seen don't it? remember if I saw it, but I remember hearing about it. Yeah. So the guy who was just talking breaking that fourth wall, he was like so cool yeah. and calm. And then we just had to find a female that was just could, that could yeah. just mirror that that relationship. And it, it was like we we had we had a, we had a great actress to do that. Cool. And so you filmed that one. We filmed that, and we filmed. 
Yeah, so we filmed part one and part two. Cool. Um, it never made it to festivals, and I still have it. Oh, <laughs> that's on my hard drive. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. So do you do you do a lot of filming of your pilots and write them? No. No. Um, I haven't. I've been in talks with another person because um, I wrote a short, uh, a sci-fi short, cool. um, based off of inspired by Inception. Mm. Um, so he liked it and he wants to film it, and I'm just doing a rewrite of that now. Cool. And I'm I'm going to be executive producer on it, but I'm also I'm playing with the idea of directing it myself. Cool. But I'm also playing with the idea to do like a, a Marvel universe type of thing where I have so it's beginning, middle, and end type of thing where I have three directors, mm. and I'm thinking of having one director <coughs> um, do the introduction, another do the the middle, and another one do the the end point. And have it like one constant, like yeah, the same. That'd same. be kind of cool to see in a short. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if it's inspired by Marvel, you'll have to make a cameo too. Yes. <laughs> so and then I'm thinking because I already have, I want myself, and I have another director, and I want to bring on a female director as well to get like for that sci-fi. Yeah. So it's like I'm still playing with that, and just but right now, in order for that to happen, I need to get a full-time job. Right. Um, yeah. Pay, yeah, that's to, funded. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm thinking of doing an, an Indiegogo. Oh, cool. Because I know, because I know last time, like, I know I have friends who definitely support yeah. what I do. So the fact that I feel they know what I did last time and it was a great short. It was a, they had fun when they saw it. Yeah. And they know that, and with everything that's going on in my life, I, I kind of I have stuff to back it up that you know what. Clint knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's written some stuff. <laughs> so it's like. If I do this, th- this is like another step to like to in in that world of directing, yeah. or just being another being being executive producer again yeah. for, for a project. Because it seems a lot of people are going for like crowdsourcing these days. Yeah. Because you can't. I mean, you can't just. Most people don't just have the kind of money where they could just like hire a production company. You know. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I I was just got an extra on a short that my friends were also the same thing Indiegogo kind of. Yeah. You offer your friends like cookies and T-shirts and stuff, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know hopefully they contribute, but yeah, yeah. Well, for the most part, people are. You would hope that people you know are kind of happy to support your yeah. endeavors, especially you know people who work in banks. Yeah. <laughs> the comedy, from what I've been told, is you write it as a drama and then go back and add the add the jokes after. See, the funny thing is, for me, it's the opposite. When I think mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so. I had, um, I'm thinking of, I had an, an idea for a comedy sci-fi. So I, I'm, I'm outlining it, and the more I'm outlining it, it's turning out into a real dark drama. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like I, wanted, I wanted the comedy aspect, but it's like, it's completely gone. So I have to like go, <laughs> back, go back to square one to try to figure it out. Or finish it as it is, and then go back to it afterwards and jump, like, throw in the jokes where you can find them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking of that as well, but I have to, like, like, I can't write, like, I have to be in that headspace, because yeah. when, I, when, I, when I wrote that comedy, that first comedy, I was in that headspace of that sarcasm, yeah. and, oh, that, okay. and that quick whip. It's and kind of really like, cathartic for you, too, if you had to work at work, like, those jobs, right? Yeah. Like, so when you're writing, yeah, you're just for like, sure. oh, get this out, I had to go through this, and yeah. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of my judge's office space, and pretty much everything else that he's worked on. Yeah. <laughs> Silicon Valley. 
Oh, that's a great show. Yeah. That is a great show. Office Space made me do my first script. Oh, there you go. That's a good... Yeah. You right. owe that to Mike Dent. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're talking about, like, toiling over, like, four pages. Because uh, <laughs> I, uh, I read a lot of sketch comedy, so a lot of that stuff is just three or four pages. And it's funny how we get to sort of see the feedback immediately <laughs> when we try to put it on a sheet oh. and get, like, terrible <laughs> feedback. You're like, how come this doesn't work? And you just try it over and over again, and you can just do it over and so over hard. again and put it back up, and it still gets nothing. And you're like, what's wrong with this? And so eventually you're like, no, it's just not funny. Yeah. It we just should, doesn't work. We should look at that <laughs> script we submitted for oh, yeah, Sketch Fest last year to terrible. see how bad that was. That wasn't Sketch Fest. That was the, uh, the short play fest oh, okay. that they hold here, actually, at the oh. Sofa Festival Theater. <laughs> <laughs> Is it so funny at the time? It'd be oh, it'd be nice to see just how just like wrote that so quickly. Yeah. Um. But also, I was thinking about sketch comedy when we were both talking about, or when you were both talking about structure, because ah, oh. um, I've seen a lot of sketch that doesn't follow. Like, there's a couple different techniques or techniques you can follow in, yeah. in sketch, and it's basically just the same, almost the same as regular story writing, but just condensed. Yeah. You know, like this little guy. And I'm sure you've seen that. Is that Have writing you? action right there? Or? Yeah. yeah like, okay. Uh, platform tilts uh, point the big one, the big have one. you seen um <laughs> i watched something recently um i don't know if it was a, it was funny or dire funny as hell but there was somebody that went to the states um and he went to a comedy show a comedy comedy um club yeah. and then he went to a place where somebody was actually teaching comedy Okay. teaching how to be funny how to, yeah. how to improv and basically it's like you he, he and he was talking to a comedian who had many years of stand-up yeah and then basically he told him like um he talked about comedy classes and it was like comedy classes right what can going to a comedy class will teach you it will teach you structure, structure. yeah but going to a comedy class will not teach you how to be funny no and it was just funny to hear you say that because like i and it was just funny to hear you say that is like how you're toiling away at those pages yeah. and then basically the structure and then basically if the key component is you gotta be funny yeah regardless, oh, sure, regar yeah. regardless of what structure you have yeah if you're not making them laugh then you're not making them laugh <laughs> it's not a comedy like it, it benefits from the two because i've seen some funny people try to write sketch with no uh, like no structure and it's just like it goes on forever and it's just like a huge mess yeah. Like, what? So what do you or mean? if like you structure that, you can get yeah, that condensed exactly. funny going on. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, stand-up, right? Like, there's definite, I mean, because I, I went to a comedy program, right? So I can I can speak to the idea that, yeah, you don't, they don't teach you how to be funny. You have to be funny to be able to do comedy. Yeah. But what they can help you with is, like, you know. How to structure practice, your life. Yeah, a lot of rehearsal, yeah. What to think about in terms of. I'm thinking stand-up, like how to negotiate contracts and that kind of stuff, you know, that that stuff is helpful, which you wouldn't, I mean, you would figure it out on your own if you were just doing stand-up without a class, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and most importantly, they help you rehearse, right? So they give you more and more stage time to actually yeah. get up there and practice your reps. But you're right, there were definitely, if you're not funny, then it's not going <laughs> to work, right? It was good for networking, too. You got to it meet was, a lot yeah. of people, and you had like a cohort of comedians coming up, too, that That's got true. into it. Yeah. Like I, I really admire like when I watch like the comedy comedy specials, I just admire just the fact that they're able to weave that story. Yeah. Be funny and then basically break character 
interact with the crowd and then bring what that that interaction back into the story and get on get on with the set exactly it's, where it's, they like left it's, off from yeah it's beautiful it's yeah. beautiful to see that it's a yeah an hour of that is crazy yeah. you know like being up there for an hour it's just remembering all of that <laughs> stuff well they practiced it quite a bit yeah what are you currently working on um I guess it sounds like you've got a bunch of different things on yeah. the go kind of constantly um I'm currently working on uh, a pilot, uh, two pilot scripts. Um, it's my, it's my hero verse. So what happened? Well, I call it my my, uh, my my comic verse. Okay. So all my comics that I've written, I still have my characters. Mm. So now I'm, I've updated them, um, gave them a little bit more story, made them more a little bit multicultural. Yeah. So now I'm actually diving in and writing their stories. Ooh. So, um, I think, yeah, so I'm writing my, my staple character, which is a female hero, that it was my first script that somebody had um, approached me to write. Oh, cool. Um, I had, uh, some students at York a long time ago wanted to do, wanted to shoot something. So they wanted, um, they wanted a sci-fi script. So I decided, I created this, this, my, well, she's my hero, my, my, my version of Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman all rolled into one. Nice. So that was my staple character for my comic verse. Um, in my mind, in my creativity, I've written so much stuff, like, for her. Yeah. Nice. Um, now I'm, like, really being serious and, like, writing it as a pilot. Cool. And it's, like, it's a black female character. This is, yeah, this is the time. Let's do it. Yeah. I want to see. I want to see her. Yeah. It, see, it's the time, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a crossroads or kind of conflicted because with what is being released now, like uh, Luke Cage and, mm. and now Black, Black Lightning, Lightning, it's like I was, I was upset when I saw Black Lightning. I haven't watched. Is, I it, was, is it really good? Uh oh. <laughs> okay. For everyone who listens to the podcast, this is my opinion only. Uh-huh. This does not reflect anyone <laughs> on the podcast. But um, one thing that I and another another um, person that we talked about it's when you introduce a black hero, it's in an environment where it's only urban uh-huh. type of thing, and it's and to me it shouldn't be that because. You can put a, a black character with other superheroes, yep. and they're fighting globally, yeah. and they're yeah. fighting universally. But then when he's by himself, he's solely in and his whole world. In his whole world is the ghetto or oh. the urban community, and I don't feel that's that's right. Mm. Now, mind you, I that this is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like they, they've probably done their their due diligence in thinking, like you know, that's the best way to approach that character. I don't think so. So I guess that's if that's that character's world. So for my character, it's not about the urban area. It's about a bigger scope. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm trying to improve my writing because I don't want to fall back on that niche right. storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that's how. I, and that's where. That's why I'm I'm writing the the one pilot, and then I'm kind of cultivating the other pilot for the female writer because for the female character because it's. It's like a PTSD story, mm, but it's also crazy. her. Um, this is the other one. So I, I'm writing two stories about PTSD. Yeah. Kay. So basically, this is her dealing with that PTSD moment, also dealing with her responsibility 
mm. and also the world around her and how they're dealing with that hero. Mm. So that's what I'm toying with, and it's like I don't want it to be where basically they look at it. Oh, it's a black character. You know what? Okay, we'll get some rap music and we'll put it on right. in the background. Yeah, yeah. Like and a stereotype. Exactly, yeah. and then that and that's what I'm I'm kind of fighting for because all my friends on Facebook are saying, "Oh, this is awesome. The writing is great," right. and I'm like, "Thank you." Pump the brakes. Um, mm-hmm. You guys have to look at deeper than mm-hmm. that than face value because there's a lot more to it than just. Yes, it's yes. You're seeing yes. you're seeing people who representation yeah. on, on screen, but sometimes the representation you want to see is not the right representation you want right. to be seen. Mm-hmm. And it's like you want to see their humanity. Exactly. So yeah. not not the stereotype because in it, um, you, you haven't seen it yet, right? What Black Lightning? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'm just a bit worried. Just like the trailer, kind of looks super low budget. It, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But is it is the writing good enough? No. Okay. I, 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 My instincts are good on this. I should I, probably not watch it. Or? Watch it. <laughs> okay. Watch it, and we'll talk about it next entrance. Okay. <laughs> I don't but, want it to be bad. This is like because I feel like, I mean, Black Lightning's a pretty cool black character in the DC universe. Like, yeah, but I think from that era when it was created, yeah, it was in that social consciousness, right. and now, it it's still following that social consciousness. Mm. But the thing is, it's. Like it's, it's the dad in Flash is probably going to be a better black character. To I watch. think I I think so. Yeah, I, I, I really do. Because he's a human. <laughs> yeah. No. It's like, it's how, how can I say it? Not because I don't want to. Again, this is my opinion, and I don't want to come off sounding arrogant and and like and that. But I just feel it's like there's a lot more to putting a character just in an urban setting. Mm-hmm. Give him a global like. Okay, so here's the example. Blade. Mm. Blade went after vampires. Yeah. Vamp- there's no vampires in the hood, but vampires were global. Right. Yeah. Blade's character was global. Right. You put him in an issue like that global. So why not do that with the black characters or yeah. an Iranian character or anything mm. like that? Like yeah. you, you know, like expand the scope. Yeah. Yep. And I think I think that's where the problem is, yeah, it's great that they're they're taking that step, but if you're making it that stereotypical step, yeah, then, then it's, it's then it sort of reinforces the same kind of crap. Exactly. Yeah, well, there's a reinforcement, and it's a cliche too. So right. as a writer, you should probably avoid hitting cliches. Yeah, like just because he's a black dude, don't make him in an urban setting so much. Right. But, but the, the, the problem with like super like a lot of superhero stuff is you have to be in a big city. Yeah. But the thing is, the message is there. Yeah. I have to, I have to, I have to have that. The message is there for empowerment yeah. yep. and being and being more that. But the thing is, especially with the the character, the, the, the daughters of the of the show, yeah. when you see it, and when like, mm-hmm. I, I recommend seeing it because, okay. uh, from what I heard, episode two <laughs> doesn't. It's like if you're trying to portray a positive light, especially in this in, in this environment for women. Yeah. Mm black woman it's like you're showing that she's smart mm. but you're her, her actions are doing the opposite uh-huh. so like what are you really trying to say so that's so yeah that smart women just need a man to tell them what to do basically <laughs> no and, and, that, and that's the thing and where'd and that knife come from Bri? <laughs> <laughs> so and that and that's and that and that's one of the things that I'm I'm not I'm, I'm kind of studying that I want 
I don't want my female character to be that cliche. Mm-hmm. I yeah. want I want her to give her that that real stakes that a man would face right in in his struggle as a, as a hero. Yeah. So that's and I think that's that's why I'm I'm kind of cultivating this character a little bit more because mm-hmm. the moment I finish writing this story, I'm jumping on that and I'm just like I already have I already have the first pilot in mind of where I want to go, but it's just I just have to cultivate it more to make sure that you know what it's not hitting that stereotype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it, I'm expanding, like I'm giving that character enough of the world that basically she or he is doing that in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think if they approach it on that level, then there's no it, you don't buy into that stereotype. You don't buy into that cliche. Yeah. So I'm working on I'm working on the my my heroes, and then once and then I'm. There's other projects that I'm. I already have like my sci-fi script that's that's done, um, and whatever I get back from the contest, I do a little tweak here and there, and then I send it back out. Um, and my other drama that I'm working on with the the veteran, um, that it's. I'm excited about it because it's. I've already. I know what it was, what it would have been with sci-fi, but I'm also I'm excited to. To develop it give it a little bit more legs as, okay. a, dra- as, as a drama. As a drama. So. Do you set them, all your stories, like, here, or <coughs> are, can they, like, here in Canada, or, like, in Toronto, or are they no, sort of, they well, can be wherever? The problem is, I set a lot of my stuff in the States. Okay. No, that makes um, sense. Where you're <laughs> pitching and stuff, I Yeah, guess. and the thing is, um, because my parents divorced, and my dad went into the Army, subconsciously, when I started writing, I had a lot of Army... Yeah. Figures mm-hmm. in my in my in my stories, and a lot, and because I was raised by my mom, a lot of um, strong, powerful women yeah. in my stories. So it's like subconsciously, my mother and father are in my stories wherever I go. So it's but that seems like it, in the states, especially like the how huge their military is. Like it sounds like yeah, you know, like very relevant. Yeah, and this notion of a small or not small, but a confident like strong mom. mom yeah, it's huge too. Like yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to see this stuff. <laughs> I hope it gets made. <laughs> I hope so too. Uh, when we're talking about getting stuff out there, combined with us doing a podcast and book on tape, have you ever thought about doing one of your scripts on tape, like uh, as an audio presentation? Um, I've been thinking ooh. more about myself and stuff. And if you're dealing with sci-fi, big budget and stuff. A way to get rid of a budget is to do an audio version of it. Well, funny you had mentioned that. Um, my wife, um, because she, we talked about putting up, opening up um, a production company together. Oh. Um, and she was suggesting that I do um, a table read. Oh, yeah. She was suggesting, like, we, like, with my stuff, like, have, let's do a table read, uh, like, once a month with one of the scripts that you're working on, and we'll, we'll invite people and we'll say, this is. Three Winks on a Smile production, and we're offering a table read. And she was, she was suggesting that we do that. And I'm like, we haven't talked about it lately, but she's still on board of us working together and putting together um, uh, like a small production company and doing that. Well, that's one way to get things done. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I just remembered I wanted to mention this earlier because we talked about it before we started recording. But your experience in animation, which is why you, uh, not why you, but which weight in your uh, storytelling because you have that experience with all the cool like yes. animating so, stuff. 
So, in addition to comics, I did um, animation. Um, I study animation in Montreal. Cool. Um, cool. How long were you in Montreal? So that's that's a good question. Um, <laughs> so how it worked out um, when I was young, my elementary days were in Montreal. Okay. My mom. Uh, a job like her um, department at uh, Bank of Montreal moved to Toronto okay. so then I moved to Toronto I said ju- I did junior high in Toronto okay. and high school in Toronto okay. after I graduated moved back to Montreal, like, Montreal. <laughs> yeah. so I went back to Montreal and I did uh, college uh, Dawson College um, cool. didn't didn't work out so then I tried Concordia uh, some couple courses and then I saw this place called uh, LaSalle College and I went in, and they were doing 3D animation. Oh, cool. So that's when I empl- uh, enrolled into that. I did that. Um, it was intensive, one year. So I learned all that stuff. Um, and I was so gung-ho about it, but unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> the timing wasn't good because just the year before, there was like a hiring class. Right. So, um, but I, I fell in love with animation. I yeah. loved it. Um, and when I moved back down to Toronto, I think in... 96 um, I moved down because I had a, a contract job with a, a company that was trying to make a and like an urban cafe huh. with animation and stuff but oh, that cool. but that fell through um, so I had to find work so I worked at the bank mm-hmm. um, and then I think um, I think four years later I went back to Seneca okay. just to spruce up my skills but again bad timing mm-hmm. um, people for me the like, I know. You don't belong in animation. I know. So then, <laughs> and then after that, um, I try. I had a makeshift system. I tried to do my own stuff. Uh, one of my scripts, uh, I actually tried to do like um, a web series, mm. like a mini web series. I wrote it out. It was like it would have been like three pages long, and it was like twelve episodes. But in doing that, I kind of blew up my computer. Oh no! So I lost all that work. Oh. But, but the problem, but the well, not the problem, but the good thing is that elevated me to like just keep on writing uh, so okay. since oh, cool. then I, d- I just keep kept on writing kept on writing and that's when uh, I decided to go to George Brown um, to learn how to properly write because I knew I knew I wanted to get into this business cool so. but that but it's still cool that you can have that lens of like what looks cool yeah. you know and, and, and to understand it too because I'm sure a lot of writers who want to write sci-fi or, or whatever are probably like and then some cool explosion <laughs> but you have it in your eye already like oh no but then this kind of thing could happen exactly. if you know how it works right yeah that, I don't know I see that that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> this is this is cool oh, like, cool dude well, thank you I, so really, much. I really like being here yeah uh, thank, well, yeah thanks for coming what awesome insight we got into writing today. yeah man and we'll put you, are you on like social media and Twitter and that kind of stuff? Well, I've been told that I need to get on Instagram. Oh, okay. I am, I am, I am still the old school. I have <laughs> Twitter and, um, and Facebook. Because you're a writer. Writers don't need Instagram. They need Twitter. Instagram is pretty good for visuals. It's, yeah. Yeah. So like, um, I do, but I do have my own page. I haven't updated it on, on Facebook, but I do have my own page. Okay. Well, we'll leave them to you so they can keep in touch somehow, or they can Thank you. keep an eye out on what you're up to, what you're working on. And I hope to see some of these super cool stories on TV or on Netflix or on Crave or whatever. Now we're just going to name everything yeah. that you want to get a sponsorship from. Yeah. 
That was episode 45 of the Constant Struggle podcast featuring Clint Murphy. What amazing insight we just got into screenwriting and writing competitions. And if you're a writer and you're interested in past episodes about writing, feel free to check out our website, theconstantstruggle.podbean.com, for a cool archive of old episodes where we've talked about writing and creating and all kinds of wonderful stuff. Uh, Or if you'd like to reach out to us, uh, we're on Twitter at StrugglePod. And we're on Facebook at The Constant Struggle Podcast, and we would love to hear from you. Finally, we just want to give out one last shout out to the Social Capital Theater for letting us record in their amazing space this weekend. Uh, If you're a big fan of comedy, if you like stand-up, improv, sketch, you name it, they've got it every night of the week. Or if you just want to go for a chill drink, they've got a really cool bar with a really cool vibe as well. Thanks so much for listening, and struggle on. Well, you know that I've always loved you, and I would love you.